up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents... The best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chickens. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be is back in your life on a Sunday in the year 2023. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren, the host of SBT for today. WZIP Sports is finally back in full swing after the holidays, and I couldn't be happier to be sitting in this chair for the first time in three weeks on a Sunday morning for good old Sports Power Talk. Joining me for today's show is the NFL, MLB, NBA, and NHL widow. He is characterized as the most entertaining member of WZIP Sports. He is... Marcus Anderson. What's up, what's up, what's up? NFL playoffs is around the corner just next week. I can't wait. That it is. It's an exciting time to be a sports fan, Marcus. And how are we feeling today, Marcus? Just the two of us on the show today. For those that care, we do have a new semester starting tomorrow. Oh, how are yeah. you feeling? I'm feeling good. Honestly, not ready to start school yet again. I mean... <laughs> It felt like a short break for real, dude. Yeah, it, it snuck up really on us. Really short break. It really did. <laughs> well, here's what you can expect out of today's show. First, we'll cover both the men's and women's Zips basketball teams. We'll also talk about the college football playoff and the uh, national championship game that is tomorrow night. Then we'll discuss the NBA and how the Cleveland Cavaliers have not been winning me any money this week, Marcus. We'll also get to all of your hot mic questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports in that segment as well. Then in an hour, I'm not sure how the Cleveland Cavaliers, or I'm not sure if you're excited, Marcus, but I know I'm excited because we'll be discussing the great sport of football for the entire last hour of today's program. Spanning from NFL headlines, around the rue, Browns news, NFL pickums, and so much more, we have you covered with all of the latest NFL news on today's show. But first, as I mentioned, let's get into the Zips men's basketball team as they kicked off Mid-American Conference play this week with a win over Northern Illinois on Tuesday. The Zips won 76-51. to And before we break it down, here is Zips head coach John Gross's opening statement on Akron's win over the Huskies of Northern Illinois. Obviously good to get the first one under our belt. I thought that uh, we had great leadership tonight uh, from Tribble and Freeman and Hankerson. 
I thought that Castaneda also chimed in in that regard, did a great job on the bench of talking to guys as they were coming in and out of the game, and he was really engaged and great leadership. And then I, I thought we had great followership from our young guys. You know, we played four freshmen tonight in the main rotation that this was their first league game and um, trying to explain to them over the last couple of days how things get ratcheted up and how competitive it is and how every possession matters and you know, I thought for the most part those guys made some mistakes, but they bounced back and and uh, and gave us uh, and added a lot of value tonight as well. And then, uh, you know, thirdly, I was happy for Hank. Obviously, it's hard when you're playing against uh, your former team. I know he, like myself, has a lot of respect for their staff, their team, and their players. And um, you know, I thought that he did a really good job on Keyshawn Williams, who I think is one of the better offensive players in our league. Once again, that was head coach of the Akron Zips men's basketball team, John Gross, after the 76-51 to win over Northern Illinois on Tuesday. Marcus, any thoughts on what Gross had to say and ultimately the dominating win by the Zips? Yeah, just about everything he said was is true, and they held it together despite the injuries this season. Usually the many in- key injuries with the team like with a team like this, they will usually like tank the whole season. They'll go into complete turbo. Not this team. Um, this team is best known for. I mean, since watching this team last season grow, can deal with adversity. I mean, they could go through anything pretty much, especially playing with four freshmen. Even though I would say, um, I'll say that was one of the most terrible officiating game uh, games I ever been to and ever seen. But they held it together. I mean, play, be able to play and stay above and keep the, stay on their feet with just four freshmen at this time, and with injuries to Michael Dawson and also uh, Garvin Clark, and now is David Casadega, who I believe is out for one more game, I believe, should be able to be back for Eastern Michigan. Uh, they still would be able to pull it together. I think. It's not the same team as last season and due to the loss of transfers, due to the loss of key players, but in this game they were able to hold it hold it together. They kept the lead the whole time and it's still they still proven that they're still one of the best defenses in the Mac, possibly one of the best defenses in the entire NCAA and I just like how they able to hold it together during this game. Yeah, only giving up 51 points to Northern Illinois. Had a huge second half, never lost the lead like you mentioned. And as John Gross mentioned, you pick up the first win in MAC play. You go to 1-0 oh, yeah. in conference play, which is huge for this team and a huge performance in this game against the Huskies. Let's talk about Enrique Freeman, Marcus. 27 oh. points, 10 for 18 shooting from the field, 15 rebounds. Before we discuss that great performance by Enrique Trendon Hankerson, who scored three points on his former team, talked about the game plan surrounding Freeman in the game. The game plan was definitely to post Reek on the block. Um, he does a great job passing out to the perimeter when he sees a double team, or if there's no double team, he does a great job of driving in and shooting a jump hook. So uh, definitely was the game plan to feed Reek the ball as much as possible just to try and get their defense to shift. That's what Hankerson had to say about Enrique Freeman after the 76-51 to win over the Huskies. Marcus, what would you make of Freeman's 27-point performance? He has really elevated his play. I mean, ever since his ever since that NCAA tournament against UCLA, he's really elevated his play. He's become a better passer. He's actually passing the ball. He's actually getting his drive game together. And he was just a total monster in that game. Like still a dominant defender as always. Like last year, the reigning defensive player of the year at the conference, and he just has elevated his play for real. 
Yeah, and he plays very well against other teams in the Mid-American Conference as well. I mean, first conference play game, and he goes out and puts up a performance like that. Also, Greg Tribble had a great game, 16 points, very efficient, 5 for 6 shooting from the field. The team just was efficient as a whole, shooting 45.6% from the floor. I mentioned the big second half earlier. They scored 48 points in the second half and forced 19 turnovers out of the Huskies. Of course, Marcus, you mentioned their tough defense, maybe the best defense in all of the NCAA basketball. That was a high note to start conference play. Second game in conference play, quite the opposite, unfortunately. Let's talk about the Ball State game on Friday. Of course, the Zips lost that one 70-63, but the big storyline of this is how the Zips finished the game because they did not finish the game. They (laughs) They They were not on the court in the last 10 minutes of this game. In fact... At the 11 minute and 18 second mark in the second half, Nate Johnson made a jumper to make it 52 to 47 in favor of the Akron Zips. Points 53 through 63 for the Zips in the remaining 11 minutes of the game were all scored at the free throw line. 11 18 mark in the second half, no more field goals after that. For the Akron Zips in the second half, we committed 17 turnovers and 26 fouls and had three total assists in the entire game. Marcus, thoughts on this lead that the Zips had and then this just downfall in that late portion of the second half? Overall, it was just a disappointing second half. I mean, Enrique being the only one finishing in double digits and points and... Honestly, uncharacteristic from Trenton Hankerson. He usually hits on those big threes. And then also Tavari Johnson. He has been having that turnover problem all season long. And Gross probably have talked about that, about his... He's still growing, still developing as like a... He's a great player. He's got to be a great player for years to come. Like I said, he's only a freshman. He's still young. and But yeah, this is just... This is a terrible time to lose a lose a guy like Xavier, the X Man, the X Factor, and especially with conference play coming up, it's gonna be tight. Everybody is just tight. I mean, I believe in competing, but I don't. But I don't want to just compete. I want actually. This is a team that I actually thought could win the title and could be kings and rulers of this title for years to come and down the line. But it's just it's a terrible time. Like like I said, I can't wait till we get the X Men back and get our offense back at, back and running again. And this was just an uncharacteristic performance, I'll say. To main turnovers, usually we're better than this, and usually we just hit on those points at clutch situations and close out game, be able to close out games like this. Yeah, I agree with you. And if you look preseason in the preseason standings, I mean, everybody kind of voting on it had the Zips around the third or fourth spot, yeah. but us up here, we were still confident in this team. You know, losing Ali Ali, but you're bringing back Enrique Freeman and Xavier Castaneda. And we saw Xavier Castaneda take huge steps up and leaps and bounds up from what he played last year and really taking that role as one of, if not the primary scorer alongside Enrique Freeman on this Zips offense. Of course, without him, our offense is struggling. And like I mentioned, three total assists in the game against Ball State. I mean, that's unbelievable. Castaneda. <laughs> It's not like Castaneda has a ton of assists per game. He is a point guard, but he's not the greatest passer, I would say. (laughs) But he still averages about three to five assists per game. 
And in this one game against Ball State, yeah. the entire team had As three I totals. Say, it's so. atrocious. It's uncaring. Usually, with Tavari Johns being their greatest facilitator, just three total assists. That's just that's just atrocious. Yeah, it really was not a great performance at all from the Akron Zips in that second half against Ball State. Ended up losing it seventy to sixty-three, and now Akron is nine and six and one and one in conference play as they look forward and take on Bowling Green on the road on Tuesday. Akron, not a great road team. They're one and six away this season. They score sixty-nine point four points per game, allow sixty-two point three points per game. Like you mentioned, that great defense of the Akron Zips. But Bowling Green, they're eight and seven, two and zero in conference play, and find themselves on a four-game winning streak. What do you think of the game against the Falcons? Uh, they should be able to get this one. I mean, it's not the, the Bowling Green Falcons. They're not the strongest team in the MAC. I mean, they have been one of the most terrible teams in MAC uh, basketball t- and basketball-wise, pretty much for years. So they should be able to pull it together, and they should give them time to like get together, make adjustments, and get back to their winning ways. Confidence booster. Right. ESPN Analytics gives Akron a 61.2% chance to win this game. I don't see it happening, though, Marcus. Akron is not a great team when they aren't playing in the jar. Point blank. They're 1-6 on the road. They don't play the same as they do in front of their home fans. I don't see us picking up this win against Bowling Green, especially after the the loss to the Ball State Cardinals. Instead, I see the Zips picking up an easy win in their following game against Eastern Michigan that is played at home, that is played at the jar because the Akron Zips are 8-0 at home in Eastern Michigan, they're four and eleven, one and one in conference play. They did snap a two-game losing streak with a win yesterday over Central Michigan. But really, if you look at the Eastern Michigan Eagles, it is Imani Bates and then everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> it is Imani Bates. He has twenty point seven points per game, six rebounds, six rebounds per game. Excuse me, and shoots the ball forty three point eight percent from the field. Is this an easy win? Oh, yeah, it should be. We got to have the X-Man back. We got offense going to be back and running. So, yeah, it should be easy. Yeah, I agree with you. ESPN Analytics agrees with us as well. They give Akron a 92.2% chance to win. And if you look more into the Eagles' stats here, they score 72.7 points per game, but they allow 79.8 points per game. And if we're getting Xavier Castaneda back in the mix on offense that night at home, and if we're on a two-game losing streak, if we drop the game to the Falcons... You would absolutely have to expect that to be a bounce-back game at home where we're undefeated and score a ton of points against Eastern Michigan. Really make a statement that I feel like the Zips might have to make early on here in conference play and in the Mid-American Conference. Let's move on, though. Let's talk about the Zips women's basketball team. and Let's talk about their great success they've had lately. They are breaking school records right now, Marcus. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about their game on Wednesday against the Ohio Bobcats. They won 73-64, to which they tied the best start to a season in program history with that win, tying the 14-15 and 15 season. And let's hear from head coach of the Zips, Melissa Jackson, on the win over the Bobcats. Yeah, gritty. Uh, 1-0 in MAC play. So that's what I, what I told them. I, you know, I, this conference is so good. You know, it's going to be a gauntlet every single night. Um, you got to grind it out. I, I have a ton of respect for Ohio and Coach Bolden. Um, they do a great job. Um, their record is not an indication of, of the style of play that they do and the effort that, that they provide. So uh, really happy to get out with, with this win. Uh, I thought, again, 
our team showed tremendous poise down the stretch. Um, you look at the free throw line, you know, 24 for 27. Uh, really confident in our, in our group from there. Um, they're a tough team to play against, especially in the half court. Uh, switching everything, it was really tough to get Reagan the ball inside. Uh, we got her in some space and, uh, you know, got her in some driving lanes. And, again, I was really, really happy with our defense tonight. I thought our zone, um, our back line did a really good job of moving. Um, and, again, made some really key winning plays down the stretch. Once again, that was head coach of the Zips women's basketball team, Melissa Jackson, on the win over the Ohio Bobcats, 73-64 to on Wednesday. Marcus, what would you make of the win? Yeah, everything that Melissa Jackson said is true. I mean, that that team that night, the Ohio Bobcats, even though they're 2-10, they did not look like a 2-10 team. That was not a 2-10 team. But then again, when you're facing a conference rival, when you're playing – teams within your conference, it brings out the best of you. There's no inferior teams. Everybody's equal when you when you play inside the MAC. Everybody's equal. But anyways, with the aggressives, the way the way those girls played that night, they kept the lead that whole time, never lost the league. And the way they closed it out, it was such a beautiful play. Inbound pass at the last final seconds. Lane Farrell just escapes free, escapes for a free one down the court. And then just closes out the game with a simple layup. And great pass by Dominique Camp on that inbounder. I mean, Dominique Camp, ever since transferring from Buffalo, has given this team a new dimension and has made this team more electrifying and more powerful than ever. And that's how they end up time for the best start in school history. That was just a great team. And not only this team is like, dominating the stats in the conference but dominating the stats and like they're high in the entire NCAA they're like almost top at best top 15 in almost every category assists defense points scored I mean they just tearing it up right now and I guess easily see this team winning winning the MAC conference even though it's a tight contested conference I can see them winning it all yeah I could see that as well you mentioned Dominique Camp I really feel like this team is full of great role players. I mean, you have Reagan Bass, you have Lane Farrell, but Dominique Camp is right there in the mix as well. You have Rachel Martindale as well. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, there's range. great. Yeah, there's so many women on this team that can contribute every single night, and we're seeing it lately. And what a great start to conference play this was with the 73 to 64 win. Ohio, not the greatest record, but like you mentioned, it's MAC play. Anything yeah. goes. Everybody's, Everybody's going equal. to play hard here. Reagan Bass in that game scored 17, had 11 rebounds. She's a double-double machine. And how about Rachel, Rachel Martindale in that game? 12 points, 4 rebounds, 6 steals. Oh, Great yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Every single starter for Akron scored in double digits in that game. I think the Zips need to work on protecting the ball a little bit more. Yeah. They had 20 turnovers and uh, shoot a little bit more efficiently from behind the arc. They went 5-24 and 24 behind the arc in that game against the Bobcats. But all those contributors, especially their starters, were able to get the job done and get the win over Ohio. Yesterday afternoon, the women's team was back in action as well. They played against the Miami of Ohio Redhawks, and they won that contest as well. They won 77-66, to 66, which gave them an 11-2 and record, which is the best start in program history. A great start for this women's Zips team. What did you think of that game yesterday against Miami? Uh, same story as against the Ohio Bobcats. I mean, tough defense. They just toughen it out. As that old saying goes, when the going gets tough, you get tougher. And that's how these girls handle it this game. And you know, this is not, this is, you know, 
according to the record, this is a mediocre Miami team. But like I said, everybody's equal in the conference play. I mean, and they the same way they closed it out against the Bobcats. Great defense and great offensive efficiency. And like you said, I agree with you. They need to they need to do a better job and take care of the ball. Dominique can can get a little wild at times. She can get a little irrational with the ball at times. It's just she's she always playing one speed. I think at times she needs to slow it down, let the offense evolve, let the offense come to come to her and evolve on its own. And just see just see the field. Just see the court as it come, as it goes. Yeah, I agree with you. Dominique Camp did have her moments yesterday where she was kind of playing at a different pace than others, but she ended up scoring 26 points in that game, 8 for 14 shooting, 4 steals on the defensive end of the ball. Reagan Bass, 21 points herself, just dominant performances by these great players on this women's team. Four players scored in double digits. The team shot 44.2% from the field, but only 20% from three-point range. Again, that three-point shooting out of this women's Zips team definitely needs to be improved. But other than that, I'm really high on this Zips team. 11-2 and two start, and they're looking great in conference play so far. Let's look ahead at their upcoming week in conference play as they take on the Eastern Michigan Eagles on Wednesday. Akron, like I mentioned, 11-2, and 2-0 in conference play on a six-game winning streak. Eastern Michigan is 9-4, and 1-1 one one in conference play, and they had their three-game winning streak snapped yesterday against Bowling Green. Marcus, what do you think of this matchup? Now, this will be the first true test for these girls as they f- actually face their first MAC opponent with an above 500 record. I mean, the Eastern Michigan girls, I mean, they're, they're pretty good as well, pretty good defensively, pretty good offensively, almost identical to the aggressives pretty much. Uh, I see this as a down-to-the-wire game, maybe another OT. Yeah, this is going to be... It's going to be a dog fight right here between these girls, the Eagles and the Zips. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close game as well. Eastern Michigan, they're 6-2 and two at home. They're pretty well balanced. But the difference between the women's Zips team and the men's Zips team is the women are 4-1 and one on the road. They play hard, and they play just as well as they do at home on the road. I expect the Zips to pick up the win in a hard-fought contest, like you mentioned, Marcus, uh, against the Eagles on Wednesday. And then the really, really tough contest against Bowling Green next Saturday. Oh, Akron going on, or hosting Bowling Green, and the Falcons are 12-2, and 1-1 one one in conference play, and they've won 10 of their last 11 games with their only loss coming in their MAC play opener against Ball State on the road. Huge matchup here, Marcus. What do you think? Oh, yeah, this gonna be this going to be huge. Honestly, this is this goes for it all. This is a battle for supremacy in the MAC conference. I mean, a battle for the, that number one spot. I mean, the aggressives are holding right now, but after this game, this is one of those games you would just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show pretty much. Just get your popcorn ready, as T.O. would say it. Yes, and get if you are ready. at this university or close, be at this game. Definitely. Eat the popcorn inside of the jar. Definitely. The women need you. Pack the jar for this exciting Mac play here between Akron and Bowling Green. Akron is 7-1 and one at home. A huge matchup like we mentioned. I think Akron might fall short against a very tough Falcons team. But if they see that the hometown shows out, and they get that energy from the hometown fans. Go on a run later in the third and fourth quarters. I could see the Zips pulling 
out with a win. That'll do it for our Zips basketball talk. Before we go to break, we'll keep the conversation with college sports, but transition over to football. And let's talk about the college football playoff before we preview and predict the national championship game that takes place tomorrow night. Let's talk about the two other semifinal games of the college football playoff. Let's mention TCU and Michigan first. What do you think of this 51-45 to win by the Horn Frogs? It just took me by surprise, just straight up from start to finish. I mean, maybe, maybe Max Duggan deserves some first-round grades after this, especially this kind of performance against such a great Michigan defense. Like, for real, it's especially Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson, I'm, I maybe after this game, I think he's the best wide out in this upcoming NFL draft class. I think he's the best wide out right now. Like, I would see, I can't wait to see how he does against those Georgia Bulldogs. But as of right now, it's just, he look like just straight up T.O. on this Wolverines defense. It's just... This whole offense, I never thought they would have a chance against the Michigan Wolverines. It's just, I was just took by surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was too. I mean, the one of the major themes going into this game was Michigan's defense and how tough yeah. they were, how great they were. And you look at the final score, 51 points against that Michigan yes. Wolverines defense. That's insane. Credit to TCU and their offense. Credit to Max Dugan, who you mentioned, might get some first-round grades. He went 14 of 29, uh, 225 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, had 57 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground as well, just contributing in all facets of the game. And J.J. McCarthy and the Wolverines just coming up short again in a college football playoff semifinal. What do you think is going to happen with John Harbaugh here in these Wolverines? I have been hearing some rumors that he could be coming back to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, rumors, I mean, you know, it's basically gossip, but as rumors come out, I, I believe when I see it, though. Yeah, well, I believe we have a hot mic question about John Harbaugh and his coaching status in college football. So we'll leave that conversation there. Let's talk about the other college football playoff semifinal, the Georgia Bulldogs. In the Ohio State Buckeyes, Georgia won 42 to 41. Not quite the dog food analogy you're using, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm definitely gonna eat, I'm definitely eating my words. I'm definitely eating my words. <laughs> if if they would have won that game, I would have called it the Marvin Harrison Jr. game. I mean, he looked at he was looking just like his daddy, that whole game just torching that secondary for the Georgia Bulldogs. But I'll miss some CJ Stroud. I mean I still low-key think he's overrated, but he's he has some good moments. I mean, he was conduct that final drive, and that last field, <laughs> it was so funny. It's just, I was at the bar I scored that night. It was a whole watch party, a whole New Year's Eve party. And it happened simultaneously right at when the clock hit 12, when the ball hit. <laughs> and that's when that field goal happened. I mean, Scott Norwood all felt great about himself. He, he probably felt great about himself after seeing that. I mean, that was so low. Not only was it wide left, it was so low. <laughs> it was so low. It was so low. But, yeah, I mean my words, though. I mean my words. That you are. And, yeah, it was a rough way to start the new year, Marcus. Yeah. I mean, literally kicking off the new year with a missed yeah, kick that's what I was by saying. Noah Ruggles. And Georgia players celebrating this win. I really feel like Ohio State let this one go. They did. Giving up as many points and as many yards as they did in the second half and in the fourth quarter. And then the field goal. I mean, the game was right there in Noah Ruggles' hands. And you can't blame the entire loss on just that one player. But certainly it had an effect 
some key plays in this game. You mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. You were going to say it was his game if Ohio State won. He wasn't out there in the majority of the second half because of that targeting call in the third quarter that was obviously reversed. What would you make of that somewhat controversial call? I mean, I'll admit, it should have been called. They should have never took it back. It was head-to-head, but it's just, with these new rules, it's like guys are like, how how am I supposed to tackle a guy? How am I supposed to hit a guy? I mean, it's not like I did it on purpose. I'm just playing football. I mean, you sh- at the same time, you sh- they should have kept it, but at the same time, just let them play. So do you think... If it wasn't targeting, should it have at least been a different penalty, or do you think it was a fair play? At the same time, if it was me, I'll say it was fair play. Wow. See, for me, I feel like if it's not targeting, and I don't think it actually was, I think it was more so shoulder-to-helmet contact than helmet-to-helmet contact. But for me, was he not a defenseless receiver there? Just trying to catch the ball, and then the Bulldogs player goes in there and bull rushes him? I don't know. Ultimately, you can't really look at that one play and say, again, that the whole game rested on that one play. Uh, Other key plays, Kirby Smart's timeout on Ohio State's fake punt. Certainly looked like he called that timeout after the snap was was, called, the football was snapped. He saw what they was doing. (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah. Arian Smith's 76-yard touchdown catch in the fourth quarter while Ohio State just left him wide open down the field. No Ruggles missed field goal. I mean, these are all key plays that I'm sure C.J. Stroud and Ryan Day are going to be thinking about for a long, long time. Before we go to break, what do you think about the national championship game tomorrow night, georgia TCU. Now I can't wait to see what happens. I mean, if TCU was able to beat Michigan, I mean, what could they do against Georgia? I mean, I would say already surprised me the way they the way that offense before against the number one defense in the country. I just can't wait to see what happens. I love surprises. That's why I love football because I love surprises. Yeah, you gotta love it. You know, Michigan's defense was great all year, and TCU scored fifty one on them. We saw Ohio State score on the Bulldogs' defense, so I don't see why TCU wouldn't be able to keep up here and keep up with that Georgia Bulldogs offense and Stetson Bennett. When it comes down to a final possession or two, though, I do see Georgia coming up big when it matters. Marcus, final thoughts on the national championship game and your ultimate prediction for it? I'll say if Marvin Harrison Jr. was able to drop like over 150 yards on them, I could definitely see Quinn Johnson dropping like close to 200 on this defense. I mean, Quinn Johnson, like I said, he's so far the best wide receiver in this draft class. I could see T. No, I pick a TCU for the upset. Really? Yep, I pick a TCU for the upset. I would love to see it. I am rooting for the TCU Horn Frogs in this national championship game. I have some action on the spread for TCU because they're the spread is plus 12 and a half. Wow. Which is insane to me. <laughs> I think that's an easy cash bet right there. But nonetheless, it is going to be an entertaining game. I have the Bulldogs squeaking by with the win in the fourth quarter like they did over the Ohio State Buckeyes. That'll be it for our college sports conversation, though. We're going to head to break. When we return, we'll transition to the sport of basketball in the NBA. We'll talk about Cleveland Cavaliers headlines and answer all of your questions in Hot Mike on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. We do all of that and more next on WZIP.
What's going on, everyone? And welcome back in to Sports Power Talk live here from the University of Akron on WZIP. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I am joined by Marcus Anderson. Back at it. Let's get back at it. This time, let's talk about the NBA and some basketball here. We'll touch on our Cleveland Cavaliers here in just a couple of moments. Also, answer all of your hot mic questions in about 10, 15 minutes or so. Let's talk about the NBA and let's react to the first fan return all-star voting, Marcus. LeBron James and Kevin Durant, as they have been recently, were the top vote-getters in the front court. Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving were the top vote-getters for guards. What do you think of those top vote-getters before we really get into the rest of this uh, first fan return votes for the all-star game? Now, with the Western Conference, I felt those top vote-getters was, like, popularity picks because I felt like I felt like Luka Doncic, like with no, <clears throat> without a doubt, like a no-brainer would be the top vote-getter for the All-Star West, pretty much. But Kevin Durant, I can see that. I mean, he's been playing like an MVP. He's been playing like the Kevin Durant of old, that OK City Kevin Durant. And him and the Nets just been blazing it. But I, I'm, I would great to see like Paolo Banchero, the rookie, the rookie of the year, uh, top vote getter already in the in the voting, and other f- unfamiliar names in there as well. I mean, there's some there's some ifs ands and buts about these about these votings and, but yeah, yeah. If you look at the guards in the Western Conference, you know Steph Curry's number one. Luca is right behind Steph. And I think Luca should be number one. You know, yeah, Steph Curry's been out with injury for quite some time right now. And Luca is playing an absurd amount of minutes yeah. night in and out for the Dallas Mavericks. Like he's not even like top five in votes, like for real. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird. I think yeah, you have your LeBron James is number one overall. Uh Kevin Durant right behind him, literally uh number two overall, and then Luka Doncic is further down that list. But after Steph Curry and Luca for the guards in the Western Conference, there's a huge drop off, and then it has John Morant and Shea Gilgis yeah. Alexander. Even Zion Williamson and low votes. Like. Yeah, Zion is number four in the front court for the West. So for the front court for the Western Conference, you have LeBron James number one, uh, Nikola Jokic number two, Anthony Davis number three, and then Zion number four. So would you put Zion ahead of any of those top three names? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like at least at least at number six. Well he's fourth in front court. So would you put him ahead of Anthony Davis, Jokic, or LeBron James? Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe not in front of Jokic, but definitely in front of LeBron James. At this point, LeBron really? James at this point LeBron James is more like if you put LeBron James, that's more like a popularity pick. A popularity contest. That's like picking the the prom king or the prom queen for the prom. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate the comparison. I feel like that could very well be what's happening here. And that's not your first prom analogy here on these airways, Marcus. <laughs> Let's look at the Eastern Conference, the front court. Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum are the top four. A stacked front court for the Eastern Conference. What do you think of those standings there? Nah, I definitely agree with those. I definitely agree with those. Those are like top MVP MVP candidates right now, especially Kevin Durant. Like I said, he's playing like KD of all. Like this is like OK City Kevin Durant, and he's been playing like that so far. And if he keeps playing like this, he could end up being 
the front runner for the most most valuable player award. Yeah, that he could. So it's KD, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum could actually be ahead of Joel Embiid. I mean, people are putting Tatum in the MVP conversation this year for the NBA. Let's go on to the guards of the Eastern Conference, though. Kyrie Irving, number one. That's a little bit controversial. And then right behind him, the Cavaliers' own Donovan Mitchell. Then it's James Harden at number three, Jalen Brown at number four. Those top four guards in the East, a little bit weaker than these other categories, but Kyrie Irving leads the pack. What do you think of that? I I actually kind of agree with that. I actually kind of agree. He has been on. He actually been on his A game this season as well. I mean, this this whole that whole Nets team been on their A game since a new head coach didn't change, and Jacques Vaughn and yeah, they really been on their A game though. I mean, the other three, I mean. It's kind of iffy, though. I mean, it's not that many choices for guards, pretty much. I, I mean, Holla Burton for the Pacers. I mean, he should have been up there. He should have been up in that top four. I mean, he's the leader in assists for the NBA right now. He, I think he should be in that top four. Yeah, Holly Burton is eighth right now in the Eastern Conference for guards. Personally, I think Donovan Mitchell deserves that number one oh, yeah, spot definitely too. over Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I think it should be Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and maybe even Jalen Brown over James Harden as well. I haven't really been keeping up with James Harden and my pick preseason to win the Eastern Conference were those Philadelphia 76ers. So talk about two other Cleveland Cavaliers that made the list, but they're pretty far down the list. Let's stick with the Eastern Conference guards as Darius Garland finds himself 10th an all-star voting. Wow. Kind of a surprise reaction there, yeah. Marcus. What do you think of that? I mean, so surprising. I mean, I'm that's upsetting. That's insulting. <laughs> the way he's been playing. I found his play has really elevated since last season. And he's he's, he's he has become more of a facilitator this this season, become more of a leader of this offense. I mean, his play is elevated. I think it'll be a lot higher than just 10th in voting. I mean, and also, also these also selections is based off the fans, and sometimes most of these fans don't know what they're talking about. Most of these fans don't know what they're doing, and they don't know. <laughs> they really don't know basketball like that, and they. I'm not sure if they're watching basketball the right way, and that's the reason why you see so many. I've been seeing so many snubs, ridiculous snubs these season. Like I'm wondering why. Yeah. It's just there's been more and more players that been, I've been wondering why they're not in the All-Star game, why they not getting as much attention as they are these past few seasons. And I think the, these fans are the reason. And not blaming anything, but this is ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's a fair argument to have. But for Darius Garland, I feel like what's hurting him, obviously he's been out with injury at some times. And his field goal percentage has been low in some games and just overall for the season. But like you said, he has made uh, leaps and bounds from last year just in terms of bringing everybody around him and elevating the play of those players around him in the starting lineup. But you look at players who are ahead of Darius Garland right now, Derek Rose is number nine. Uh, Yeah, that was so surprising. Why am I seeing Derek Rose in there? Derek Rose is number nine ahead 
of Darius Garland. Like Jalen Bronson was playing is playing more of an R star than him. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And number eight is Tyrese Hollyburton. I think he's being overlooked as well. He certainly could move up this list along with Darius Garland. Number seven though, LaMelo Ball. Oh my god. I mean, he sat out like, a couple of games in the beginning of like, the season folks, as well. What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I'm not even seeing Zach Levine in here. Like, what are we doing, guys? Like, <laughs> yeah, it is a tough list to look at. Ahead of Lamelo Ball is Demar Derozan and Trey Young. Before we get to those top four, so how many spots would you move Darius Garland up? I think we agree we would move him up ahead of Derrick Rose. Oh yeah, definitely. Would you move him ahead of Tyrese Halliburton? Nah, I wouldn't do that. Okay, fair enough. Lamelo Ball, of course. Demar Derozan. Uh, yeah, I would. And then maybe ahead or behind Trey Young. I feel like that's the real oh, question be, here. Behind Trey Young. Behind Trey Young. So that would be the seventh spot for Darius Garland, in your opinion. I'll give him the sixth spot. I think he is just a little bit ahead of Tyrese Halliburton, even though I agree that he's being overlooked. One other Cav that is being overlooked, in my opinion, here in these all-star voting in this first fan return is Jarrett Allen. The right. big man in the Eastern Conference front court voting is 10th. Ahead of him, Nick Claxton of the Brooklyn Nets. Paolo Bancaro of the Orlando Magic. Kyle Kuzma of the Washington Wizards. Now, Kuzma and Barchero, I, I quite understand. But Nick Claxton, <laughs> no. I mean, another character ever getting that, that kind of attention is Evan Mobley. I think Evan Mobley has been playing like an RSR to himself. He's really improved his play. and Yeah. Yeah, I think he certainly belongs on this list, but... I think Jared Allen deserves to be ahead of all those guys I just mentioned. Yeah, definitely. I think he deserves to be number seven. That'll do it for our conversation on the NBA All-Star voting, though. The fans account for 50% of the vote to decide the All-Star starters. Then the remaining 50% is decided by NBA players and a media panel account. Uh, and the next fan update is going to be on January 12th. So a week from today for SBT will probably update you on the second fan return of all-star voting since we've been talking about these cleveland cavaliers and their placement in these all-star uh voting and fan returns let's talk about their week in review here and that bulls game on monday marcus the 145 to 134 game that went into overtime the Cavs were down by as much as 21 points and there's only one headline to this game it is 71 points by donovan mitchell 22 of 34 shooting, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, broke LeBron's single-game scoring record for the Cavs, most points by an NBA player in a game since Kobe's 81 in 2006. What did you think? 71-point performance by Donovan Mitchell. He just went (laughs) rampant. This is history. Obviously, he has joined an exclusive club, but on the other hand, let's not... Let's not escape the obvious. I mean, this is the, somehow this is still the number one defense in the league, but somehow these past eight games they have allowed their opponents to score above 100 points. I mean, above 100 points in seven of these past eight contests. And I think this is start. I think this defense is starting to fold and starting. To, I think they need some time to make some more adjustments. I mean. They're usually better than to allow 134, be down by 21, 
and have to go to overtime and end in 145 to 134. And once again, I'm not gonna not gonna forget about the great performance of Donovan Mitchell. He's obviously joined an exclusive exclusive sub. Only he's only one of just six or seven guys in NBA history to score that many points in the game. But it's just. They need this defense need to get together, get back on track, and be back to being number one defense in the league as it is. Yeah, they are now not the number one defense in the NBA, and I agree. I mean, the defensive effort shown on the floor night in and night out lately has not been what it has been in the first 20 or so games out of this Cleveland Cavaliers team, but 71 points, what a remarkable accomplishment from Donovan Mitchell on Monday night. Kevin Love sent out a great tweet saying memories in his head of his teammates performing on the floor with him and just Cavs memories And he said that this one is right up there with him scoring a ton of points in the first quarter and all those other memories that he has as a Cleveland Cavalier. Let's move on, though, to a game on Wednesday night, a game like no other I've seen this year in the NBA, a 90-88 to win over the Suns. And the reason I say what I said, the Suns led 43-33 to at halftime. It was halftime, and the Cavs scored 33 points. I mean, if you were expecting regression out of Donovan Mitchell after scoring 71 points, you certainly saw it on Wednesday night. But, Marcus, what do you think of this low-scoring affair, especially in the first half? Thankfully, the Cavs woke up in the fourth (laughs) quarter, outscoring Phoenix 31-24. to But, nonetheless, kind of an ugly matchup there. I mean, uncharacteristic from both teams, too. I mean... I mean, it's especially from the Suns. I mean, they went from, a, like, a couple of months ago being the number one, number two team in the Western Conference, and now they're 20-20. and 20. It's just, and could be in danger of being out of the playoffs already. And But on, on the other hand, the Cavs, it's just like, it was overall a sloppy performance, I'll say. It's just like, Evan Mobley closed out the game with the late jumper. I mean, like I said, he's been playing like an all-star this season. Kudos to him, and it's great to see how he has improved his play. But it's just, other than that, it was a sloppy performance with both teams, and yeah. That it was, Marcus, and something that still bothers me about this game is a bet that I had on this game. And I haven't lost any money on the Cleveland Cavaliers I've lost potential money. I'm placing, I'm placing all my free bets still is what I'm doing right now okay. when sports betting became legal in Ohio. I bet that Donovan Mitchell was going to get a double-double. Free $25 bet. The payout was $160, Marcus. I, I, I would have made that bet, too. I, I could see. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm lucky I'm not a gambling man. Huh? Do you know what Mitchell's line was? What was it? 20 points, 9 assists. You could have been so close to winning that money, man. <laughs> One assist away from $160, man. I was gutted that night. I was almost rooting for that late Phoenix Suns basket to go in to get this game into overtime just so that Mitchell would have that opportunity to pick up one more assist. Didn't come, though. That, that's why I'm not yeah. a gambling man. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a bad break for me on Wednesday night with the Phoenix Suns. Let's talk about the game on Friday night with the Nuggets, a 121-108 to <clears throat> loss. Any quick thoughts here on the kind of tough matchup here with Denver? I'm selling my words. I mean, I thought before this season, I thought the Nuggets were pretenders. I thought they was jokers, uh, phonies. But 
I mean, this is still regular season. They they could still be phonies, but it's obviously another, as usual, another great performance by Nikola Jokic, uh, the best big man, best or at least the best passer big man in the in the league. Matter of fact, he is the best big man in the league. It's just uh, as usual. It's just like I said, this defense who was before the number one defense in the league is now just falling off the rails and they just they still have a lot of time to make some adjustments and get back on the right track as it was in the first couple of games. Yeah, I wasn't nearly as upset at the Cavs for this game because it did win some money because there was an odds boost on the first <laughs> basket and uh, Nikola Jokic, I put it on him and he scored the first basket oh, in the man. game. So that was, that was a nice... A nice little thing for my bank account there, but nonetheless, they do lose 121 to 108. Let's oh, talk man. about the upcoming week for the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're now 25 and 15, fourth in the Eastern Conference. They play in Phoenix tonight, then in Utah on Tuesday, in Portland on Thursday, and next Saturday at Minnesota. So a Western or a West Coast. Um, road trip here for the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do you think of those four games and maybe a record prediction out of you, Marcus? Um, so this is like a line of like disappointments from the West. I'm uncharacteristically, this Western Conference has been disappointing, but I say I'll say at least like a like no at least a three and one record out of this line of disappointments. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, it matters uh, how healthy we are. If Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland can be on the court together and really maximize their play on the floor together, I think the Suns game, the Jazz game, really all these games are winnable games, but I do see them dropping maybe one, maybe two of them. I like that three-and-one prediction out of you, Marcus. That'll do it for our NBA conversation, which means it's time for Hot Mike. Let's get right to the questions here on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. And unfortunately, we'll start with Logan Congrove, member up here at WZIP Sports. He asks, he says, this one's for you, Mr. Anderson. Heading into the playoffs, what team is the NFL widow Marcus Anderson supporting until there's a team that proves to be better, that is? The San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Taking Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow. Yes, Interesting. That's my Super Bowl pick right there. Interesting. Yeah, Super Bowl pick. I don't think Burrow is going to be able to get back to a Super Bowl this year. I like the Chiefs and Bills ahead of the Bengals. Really? 49ers in the NFC is not a bad pick at all, though. I do give you some respect on that. I believe Logan has another question. We might get to that later, but let's go to Aaliyah. She asked, do you think Jim Harbaugh will go to the NFL or stay with that team up north? I think I said John earlier. I meant Jim. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, that's his little brother. Yes, <laughs> do you think he's going back to the NFL or is he going to stay with Michigan? Um, I see him I see him staying with Michigan um, until he wins a big one. Other than that, no, I don't see him coming back to the NFL. There has been rumors of that. I believe that at first, but no, nah, he's staying in Michigan. I believe he's meeting with Denver here in the next few days. It's very interesting what's going to happen with him. I think there's a wish for him to go back to the NFL. His brother has a Super Bowl. He does not. And with Michigan, they're running the Big Ten right now. You know, they do have back-to-back Big Ten Conference championships. But what's the ceiling for Michigan? Because do you see them really winning the college football playoff? At this point, it seemed like they're like the 1990s Buffalo Bills. It seemed like they get so close, and they never go win it. 
They're going to get close. Right. I mean, it, they can make all the college football playoffs they want, but if they keep on losing in the semifinals, yeah, I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is going to be okay with that. Jim Harbaugh wants to win and wants to win in a postseason setting. I think he has a better chance at doing that in the NFL. Yeah. Maybe not next year, but I do think that Jim Harbaugh will be an NFL coach yeah. once again before he calls I it think quits. Maybe he leaves the Wolverines the same way he left the 49ers. I mean, off of bad terms. I mean, if the Wolverines somehow don't make it to the playoffs, I think that's when he decides that I want to come back to the NFL. Yeah, it would certainly be interesting and certainly a storyline that everybody's going to be monitoring this offseason in college football and in the NFL. Jake Mernigo, his many questions this week. First off, can you roll your tongue? Uh, <laughs> I love how you tried to do it, Marcus, so that you realize, no, you cannot roll your tongue. No. <laughs> yeah, I cannot either. Next question, what's better, turkey or ham? Turkey. I hate ham. Are you a... Lighter dark meat kind of guy. I like light meat. I agree with that, but ham is infinite, like hundred percent better than turkey. I just hate ham. <laughs> I, I, I somehow like pork, but I hate ham. I don't know why. See, I'm the opposite. I like ham. I hate pork, and I hate bacon. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Very very weird. Next question from Jake Mernigo. What sport has the best all star game? The best all star game. I'll say. Oh, it's definitely basketball. Definitely basketball. It's more exciting. It's more thrilling. It's not as boring as the Pro Bowl or MLB All-Star can sometimes get exciting, but I would say basketball. I agree with you because the NFL is certainly not the answer. Yeah, though. The NFL probably has the worst All-Star game. I mean, they have the Pro Bowl, now it's the Pro Bowl games. I believe they're going to have a flag football contest in there. Very weird what's going on with the Pro Bowl, but... The other all-star games, you have the NBA all-star game and the new like point-to-beat th- thing they're doing with the rules, uh-huh. I really enjoy that. And it's something to play for there near the end of that all-star game. And the, N- or the MLB all-star game, I really enjoy the MLB all-star game. I love how they cycle all the players, make right. sure everybody gets an at-bat, everybody pitches. But for me, it kind of got ruined when they got rid of the home field advantage stake in the World Series. Oh, yeah. I mean, I enjoy the Home Run Derby. That's probably my favorite. Yeah, the Home Run Derby is probably the best event of anything. Even like the three-point contest, which I really enjoy, the dunk contest. I'd put the Home Run Derby ahead of both of those. But in terms of the best all-star game, I agree with you, Marcus. That goes to the NBA. Next up, Kelly, she asks, will Chubb get the 206 yards needed to win the rushing title? He could. I mean, this is not the strongest Steelers, Steelers defense. But just the way they've been playing, I don't think so because they haven't been giving him that many carries as usual. I mean, he's been – I mean, Stefanski's been trying as hard as to make Deshaun Watson look good, so I'll say no. Yeah, 206, that's a lot yeah, of rushing is. yards today. I mean, they could realize that. I'm sure they are aware of that, and they might try and get him there, but I don't think he's going to rush for 206 yards, especially – against that front of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't see that happening. Uh, Next up, let's look around. Dan Groen, former member of WZIP Sports, asks who wins in a boxing match in their primes, Beetlejuice or Hasbula? (laughs) Dan with these questions, man. (laughs) Danny boy. Danny boy. I was like, 
I guess I was like, has Beulah? <laughs> I don't even know. Over Beetlejuice. I don't even know who that is. Has Beulah. Like, <laughs> you don't know who Has Beulah is? No. Look him up right now, Marcus. Has This man is on my TikTok for you page all the time. And every single time I see his face, I like it because I want more of them. Does that change your answer now that you know who he is? Oh, yeah, now it does. No, no. I'll go with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah. I, really? <laughs> yeah, Beetlejuice. Man, I'm going with Hasbula. In their primes, I'm going with Hasbula. <laughs> I refreshed it, though. A couple more questions before we go to break. Logan Congrove, another question from him. Two more, actually. Heat versus Kings 2023 NBA Finals. Book it. Sports betting is now legal in Ohio. Not really a question, just a foolish statement from Logan Congrove, as usual. Hmm. What I mean, do you think of that Heat Kings t- Finals? Heat Kings finals? No, it's not happening. I mean, I like what the Kings are doing this year, but no. No, I don't like what either team is doing this year. Neither team is going to make the NBA finals. Logan, get that out of your mind. It's not (laughs) going to happen. Uh, Other question from him. Should the NBA do away with a fan vote for the All-Star game? Guys like Nick Claxton are getting more votes than guys like Jared Allen, like we discussed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They They should rely on players and coaches. That's how they should do it. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I don't think it should be 50% up to the fan voting. I like the draft that they do on TNT, but honestly, I could do away with the fan voting for the All-Star Game. Logan Buchanan, our WZIP Music Programming Director, asks, who in the NBA would you have as a starting QB in the NFL? LeBron James. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There's... Nobody else is really coming to mind, yeah. but I feel like he'd easily be the most dominant player. Maybe not at this age, maybe a couple of years ago, but put LeBron James. I mean, there's so many Photoshops out there of him oh, yeah. in a Cowboys or him in a Browns uniform. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, oh, yeah. I, LeBron James is the easy answer. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and I've seen his high school football highlights. He, he was a football god back in yeah. high school. One more question, and then that'll do it for this week's edition of Hot Mike. First question asker, I believe, it's Tom Cosma says, says, at WZIP Sports, when is Coach Jackson going to get a well-deserved contract extension? Of course, talking about the Akron Zips women's basketball head coach, Melissa Jackson. When is it going to happen, Marcus? What do you think? Very soon. I can see it very, very soon happening. Or if not this, not very soon, but... Definitely after this season. Definitely after this season. Yeah, I agree. We talked about this this Zips women's basketball team in depth just about half an hour ago. You can listen to that on SBT Rewind after the show on all podcast platforms if you missed that conversation. But I agree with you. The Zips women's team are off to the best start in program history, and she certainly seems to have a big role in that as the head coach. And all those role players on that team, I mean, they are really good, and I would not be surprised if the Zips are the team this year that take home that Mid-American Conference title. That'll do it for this week's edition of Hot Mike. Don't go anywhere, though. When we head to break, we're going to come back with an hour of football conversations. We'll talk Brown Steelers. We'll talk NFL headlines. We'll do Around the Rue. We'll do Pick'em. So much coming at you. Don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello, 
everyone, and welcome back to the Best Sports Talk Show this side of Lake Erie. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show today, and I am joined by the always entertaining Marcus Anderson. Back at it. What's up? And Marcus, I am so excited for this last hour. Are you excited? Oh, of course. Definitely. Absolutely. NFL playoffs right around the corner, and we have a ton of of headlines to get to and around the root question that I think is going to spark the interest of a lot of people on Twitter. Also talk some Browns headlines, Browns Steelers, recap yesterday's games, talk about this week's games. I mean, so much to get to in this last hour. You're not going to go anywhere as we'll talk about everything going on in the world of football. Unfortunately, with that being said, we do have to talk about a headline surrounding DeMar Hamlin. Because, of course, this was oh, the yeah, dominating headline this week in the NFL. The injury he suffered on Monday night against the Bengals. He suffered that horrific, life-threatening injury. He went into cardiac arrest and was in critical condition. CPR and AED were administered to Hamlin on the field before he was taken out of the stadium by an ambulance heading to the University of Cincinnati's Medical Center. Latest update from the Bills. Thankfully, his breathing tube was removed, and he is progressing remarkably. And, quote, his neurologic function remains intact, and he has been able to talk to his family and care team, end quote. He's also uh, communicated with the Bills through a FaceTime call, and he will be honored by number three patches on the uniforms of the Bills today. And additionally, by all 32 teams as well as the NFL world hopes for more positive news in terms of DeMar Hamlin's recovery. Uh, Anything to say in regards to DeMar Hamlin, what you saw on Monday night and the latest update since then? It is great to see him like make such great strides. I mean, to actually hear that he woke up at first, he was in critical condition like it was like 50% chance that he was going to die, 50% chance that he was going to live. It was like 50-50. And for him to wake up, ask the doctors who won the game, and and just to even wake up and talk, just to even wake up, and then and then surprise the whole Bills team in the team meeting. And, like, can't wait to get, see him get out the hospital. I mean, he might, he might not come back and play the game. I mean, who knows? But just... Overall, just uh, just hope that he gets out the hospital, walking again, and then just like just like be out and alive and just breathe in, just be back to normal, pretty much. But just the way it was just so scary. It was it was an awful sight to yeah, see. It was, yeah. I'm <laughs> I can't. It's just like the way he, the way T Higgins just ran to his chest. I mean, even T Higgins was feeling bad, but he he was just playing football. I mean, he couldn't know. Like right. who would have known? And just the way he got up and the way he collapsed, it was just an awful sight to see. But it's great that he's making such great strides, great progress with him, and just great to see him doing well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And it was just such a a tough sight to see on Monday night, never really seeing an yeah. injury like that. It really wasn't an in, I mean, an injury. Like, he went into cardiac arrest on the field can't really remember seeing an yeah. ambulance on an, an on an NFL field before and we've seen injuries to ACLs and MCLs and seeing literal literal limbs <clears throat> break in half and seeing bone on a field yeah, or on a court of play in the past but nothing like that really compares to what we saw 
on Monday night against the Bengals for Demar Hamlin. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, all this news coming out, he is better. And like you said, what he said to the doctors when he first woke woke up, I can't remember if he wrote it out on a piece of paper. Oh, he, he actually did write it. Yeah, yeah, I believe he wrote it out on a piece of paper and he asked who won the game. I mean, that's enough to make a grown man yeah, cry definitely. right there. Just incredible that's stuff. Scary. I mean, and that when I first saw that, that that reminded myself that was even the first time something like that happened in the NFL. Like there was actually once before decades before back in the sixty where a player actually did die on the football field and mm. he played for the Detroit Lions. I I forgot his name, but he actually did die on the football field. And I I remember that once I saw that so I was like scared and thinking that he might not survive this and then for that to happen is just was scary. Yeah, it's a tragic incident. It's a tragic consequence, especially if you're T. Higgins. I mean, there's nothing you could have done or do in that moment. And thankfully, he is recovering and making uh, remarkable progress, as the Bills said in that latest statement. He's going to be in the hearts of all NFL fans for quite some time, obviously playing a huge role in Week 18 of the NFL with his number being honored by all these different teams. And I think, you know, I can speak for both of us, Marcus, and just for WZIP Sports as a whole, that, you know, our thoughts are with him and hopefully he does make that speedy recovery. And whether he makes it onto the football field or not, you know, that secondary, what's worrisome right now is if he's going to make it on the other side, which I believe is looking like it is going to happen. So all every like I said, all the thoughts are with Lamar Hamlin right now. And just that question he asked to the doctors still in my head. I'm not sure if I'll ever forget that. And hopefully we see him soon. That's all I really got to say on Damar Hamlin. Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, repercussions of that canceled game on Monday Night Football. Obviously, the NFL had to make a lot of adjustments after the cancellation of that Monday Night Football game between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And this included some potential playoff rule changes. And a very interesting coin flip scenario that I know you have a lot of thoughts on, Marcus, so let's get right into it. The NFL approved changes due to the, quote, potential competitive inequities, end quote, created by canceling the Bengals-Bills game. So first, the AFC Championship game will be at a neutral site if the Chiefs win, which they did, the Bills win or tie this weekend against the Patriots, and the Chiefs and Bills meet in the AFC Championship game. It'll be at a neutral site. What do you think of that? Hey, it's just... I don't think you should have to do all this. I mean, it's still in the same seedings. I mean, even though one team played less games than the, one less game than the other team, we, you, sh- you still should have to do this. It's still the same seedings. Just stick with the Just stick with the format. Just stick with it. You should have to do all this. Yeah, I mean, I understand that argument, but at the same time, it's not like the the situation of why the game was canceled, I feel like makes it a little bit different where, you know, I'm sure both teams would love to have played a football game, played a regular football game, a competitive football game on Monday night. Instead, this tragic incident happened with the Mar Hamlin. Instead, the Bills and Bengals are left with a game off their record, which does impact these winning percentages and records going in to the much-anticipated NFL playoffs this season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I remember, I know it's a totally different sport, but I remember one basketball season, like, it was that same season during the Boston bombing. The Boston bombing, and it left the 
and made the Celtics have to cancel a game. Also had to cancel a game with the Pacers and made both teams finish one less game than everybody else. The the Celtics had to go into the playoffs with the forty one and forty record, and also the Pacers were the record they finished with going to the playoffs with one less game played. I remember that. I remember that Boston bombing forced both of those teams to cancel their games, and it was still the same playoff format. They still stuck with the format, and it's the same scenario with this hap- with this unfortunate happening, and it's still certain change anything pretty much. And I re- I remember that, but I still say stick with the format. But if that if that helps anything, if you feel the need to do that, but honestly, I felt. Honestly, I don't feel the need you need to do that, but it's it's the league. Right, and again, this depends on a Bills win today, and it would have to be Chiefs versus Bills in the AFC title game, which in your opinion that won't happen because you have the Bengals going to the Super excuse me, to the Super Bowl representing the AFC. I actually like the Chiefs and Bills going to the Super Bowl for the AFC, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chiefs Bills in the AFC Championship game. Oh, yeah. So the likelihood of this actually happening, I would say, is actually pretty high. Because the Bills went over the Patriots today. I mean, I spoil that yeah. prediction right now. I think the Bills are going to beat the Patriots today. Because they got to keep their stories in they, just to stay in that second siege. Exactly. So I think the Bills pick up the win today, and then Chiefs-Bills AFC Championship game at a neutral site. What a site that would be. It wouldn't be an arrowhead. wouldn't be... In the Bills Stadium, I mean, insane sights that would be. The other rule change, and perhaps the biggest rule change, is this coin flip scenario, Marcus. And it surrounds two AFC North teams. It's the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals today. If the Ravens win, they will have two head-to-head wins over Cincinnati, but will have a lower winning percentage due to the canceled Monday night football game. So if the Ravens win today and the Bengals play the Ravens in a wild-card matchup, then a home-field advantage for that game is going to be decided by a coin toss. Now, that's just stupid, <laughs> honestly. That's just stupid. That's just like that Friday... That's just like mo- that movie, Friday Night Lights, where they decide off a coin flip who goes in the, if they go to the playoffs or not. It's just like this, but it's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the Bengals win the division, if they win this game, they win. But it's just, even if the Ravens do win this game, the Bengals still win the division. It's just, just stick to the format. That's all. Just stick to the format. It's a very weird scenario that we're in here. Yeah. Uh, it's just so unfortunate something like this had to happen. Right. Just... And I agree with that. And if you're the Bengals, I know many Bengals players and coaches feel frustrated by this. Because they weren't into Monday night expecting to play a full game. And it's really nobody's fault that the game was not played. They feel like they shouldn't have a coin toss determine something as huge as home field advantage for the first game in the AFC wildcard playoffs. That's a side that I understand. But I also would understand the Baltimore Ravens side of things. If they beat the Cincinnati Bengals today, which by the way, the Ravens are going to be without J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews. Lamar Jackson already ruled out Tyler Huntley starting yeah. today. If the Ravens somehow pull up that pull off that upset over the Bengals today, they have those two head-to-head wins over Cincinnati. And they're right there too saying, "Hey, we that might not true. have a better winning percentage, 
But if the Bengals lost to the Bills on Monday night, we would be the number one team in the AFC North. Where is our own field advantage? That, that is true. So I really understand both sides here. And, and who knows? Maybe a coin toss, a flip of the coin is really what's fair, Marcus. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, no, as you said, it is, it is true because as it, as it, at this point, the Bengals have only won two games within the AFC North. So they're really two and three inside the AFC North. That's just like with the Seahawks and Packers, even though the Seahawks are holding the final spot in the NFC playoff picture, if the if they win, regardless if they beat the Rams, if the Packers win, then they're out the playoffs, and the Packers leapfrog them for that final spot in the NFC. So it's kind of understandable, and most people might uh, most people might disagree. Some people might agree with it, but it's just a. I don't know. The NFL is such a crazy league with these crazy scenarios and their crazy ideas. It's just, but that's why I love this league. Yeah, the last week of the season always comes up with all these weird scenarios for teams to make the playoffs. But in this case, with what happened on Monday night, we have a case where a coin toss could determine home field advantage in a AFC wild card matchup between the Bengals and Ravens. Yeah, how crazy the league! I remember one year where the final playoff pick. The final playoff spot was decided off a point differential or or margin of victory during the last game. I remember it was like before it was decided off a point differential conference record. Now it's being decided off a conference record or division record. It's just it's a crazy league. That it is. And if you're the Bengals, I mean, I understand why they're frustrated by this rule change. But at the same time, it's ahead of you right now. Beat mm-hmm. the Ravens. And you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Just this whole coin toss situation could be out the window if they go out there and beat the Ravens, which I think they're expected to do because, as I said, the Ravens are shorthanded today in a game that they would love to win, and they would love to force a coin flip scenario and get that home field advantage in an AFC wild card matchup. We'll see what happens today with the Ravens-Bengals game, and we'll see what happens with the seeds and see if the Bengals and the Ravens do, in fact, play each other in that first round of the AFC wild card. A lot of things going on and a lot of things in play there. Well, let's stick with the Ravens, but let's go to a different storyline here, Marcus. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson and his status with Baltimore. Jackson is going to miss his fifth straight game today with a lingering left knee injury. The Ravens have averaged 12.3 points per game and have only scored three touchdowns without him. They are 2-2, two and two, but not great putting up numbers in terms of the offensive side of the football. What do you think about what this means for Lamar Jackson and his future with Baltimore? I think it's over after this season. I mean, he already declined their original contract, which was, I believe was three it was only a three year contract ascension, just three years, I believe. But I it was like three to five years, but I remember declining that contract and then this being deja vu of last season where he missed the last five games of the season. And I think it's over with. It's definitely over with. He's, if Lamar Jackson stays at Baltimore next season and four, I'll be surprised. Do you think he'll just get franchise tagged over and over? Not a, franch- not yeah. a quarterback you expect to be the face of your franchise. I mean, this that's just assaulting. Yeah. You might as well just draft somebody else or pick up somebody else at free agency. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and it's very weird because you hear people from Baltimore, and a lot of people in Baltimore are a 50-50 split 
on whether or not Lamar Jackson is actually the answer. And if you're like a Browns fan going through QB carousels the past decade, we would love to have had a Lamar Jackson a couple yeah, of years probably. ago be the face of our franchise. Just Baltimore, they can't get it figured out with Lamar Jackson right now. And this is actually the premise of our Around the Root question this week where we debate around the table and bring it to you via our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. The poll is going to be live in a matter of seconds, so go over there and vote and let us know what you think. But the question this week is what team will Lamar Jackson play for next season? So we have three options and then an other category. We have the Baltimore Ravens. Does he stay in Baltimore? Does he go to the Las Vegas Raiders, who benched Derek Carr and are in need of a quarterback? Or does he go to the Miami Dolphins, a category I put in there because of the recent storylines on the Dolphins may be firing Mike McDaniel and Tua with his health. They might move off of him as well. The Dolphins are another category and then other, as I said. So Ravens, Raiders, Dolphins, other. What team is Lamar Jackson going to play for? The tweet is out. The poll is live. Marcus, what do you think? I like to say other. New Orleans Saints. The Saints? Yeah, the New Orleans Saints. Why do you think the Saints? I think his style fits with that style. I mean, his his style fits that city. It fits that team. I, at first, I was thinking he goes to the Saints unless Sean Payne comes back and coaches the Saints again. But there's rumors that if Sean Payne comes back, he could be coaching another team. It, he's already requested. There's already an interview requested from the Broncos with Sean Payne. And it was okay by the Saints, but. Either with Payne or without Sean Payne, I can see Lamar Jackson being more fitable with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I mean, I can see it with what you're saying. If Sean Payton does return, I could see that possibility happening. I like the Dolphins here, though. And I don't know if he's going to go to Miami, but I would love to see a Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle offense. I mean, as a fan of an AFC team, the Cleveland Browns, I would not want to see that. No. <laughs> but in terms of the fan of the sport of football, what a high-powered offense that would be. It would be, but just to see, just know how Lamar Jackson plays. It's just his style wouldn't fit that offense, I think. Yeah, maybe. I mean, with so many playmakers, there might be an issue of feeding the ball to certain players, as have been seen in the NFL and other teams, but I'd love to see that high-powered offense down in Miami. I don't know why Miami might do without Mike McDaniel, which means that Tua might be leaving as well, but I think Las Vegas isn't a bad option. I think Baltimore is a safe option. Miami is kind of a out-there option, and then, of course, we have the other option as well. Go over to our Twitter page. Once again, that's found at WZIP Sports. And let us know what you think. Where will Lamar Jackson play football next season in the NFL? That leads us to our Around the Room results from our previous Sports Power Talk show, where it was also about the NFL, also about uh, the Browns and coaching here. If Kevin Stefanski was fired by the Browns, who would he want to see as the next head coach? We had 25 votes. 52% of the votes lied with Sean Payton. 12% went with Dan Quinn. 28% for Brian Flores. And 8% voted for other. So, Marcus, what do you think of that? What did you vote for? And what would you say the answer to the question should be? i say Dan Quinn. Interesting. Dan, yeah, Dan Quinn. The definitely. 12% category. You fell in that category. 
Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, he's the same head coach, and even though had those had that last last stint, bad stint with the Falcons, but he's that still he's still that same coach that made the Falcons a super, made the Falcons a Super Bowl team, Super Bowl contenders, and then just for him to turn around this Cowboys defense who was a year prior to his hiring was like the worst defense statistically in the history of the of the prof, of the National Football League just to turn around turning one to a top 5 defense is just is amazing i would like to see him as the Cleveland Browns head coach yeah that's an interesting pick i mean 12% of the people agreed with you and I'm actually not in the majority here. I don't agree that Sean Payton would be the best fit. I don't think it's realistic that he would come to Cleveland. Instead, I voted for Brian Flores. I think he would be a great fit. I think he would be a great leader of men for the Cleveland Browns. And I think he could do a lot of things in terms of both the offensive and truly the defensive side of the ball if the Browns do go away with Joe Woods this offseason, which hopefully I think everybody in Cleveland is hoping that they do away with Joe Woods yeah. this offseason. Speaking of Joe Woods and that Browns defense, before we go to break, we have to talk about the biggest headline surrounding this Cleveland Browns team, and that is once again for back-to-back years, a disgruntled player basically getting his way off of the Cleveland Browns. This year, it's Jadavion Clowney and the drama that he's having for the Cleveland Browns. An exclusive piece by Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. Uh, Clowney told them that he was 95% sure he wouldn't re-sign with the Browns this offseason. Clowney said that the Browns were more focused on getting Miles Garrett into the Hall of Fame rather than winning games. And Clowney said that the Browns have got their eyes or have got their own guys, and I ain't one of them, so it's time for me to get my exit slip. A lot of strong words from Jadavion Clowney to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com. He was actually sent home before Friday's practice when this came out. He's not going to play today against the Steelers. His time with Cleveland is likely done. What do you think of this entire situation of Jadavion Clowney and the Cleveland Browns right now? Uh, obviously, there's so much frustration out of Jadavion Clowney. And, and I, I would be surprised that... I'll be frustrated too. I mean, with this Browns franchise, before ever since that playoff, ever since that playoff appearance, the first since two thousand two, you think this will be long term success down the line, and it just it seemed like you can. There's nothing you could do uh, facing the Cleveland Browns. Uh, maybe I don't know. There seemed like nothing you could do. I thought this high run Kevin Stefanski would be like would be like. Uh, sustainment for success for years to come but i guess not obviously yeah it's crazy to see a storyline like this for the cleveland browns come out in back-to-back years of course last year it was odell and baker and all that and now it's javion Clowney asking his way out of cleveland uh miles garrett had some comments on this as well he said he wants quote volunteers not hostages and quote a very strong quote there from Miles Garrett. He also said that he wished he could have talked about this situation with Jadavion Clowney man to man, and didn't really like the way that Clowney went about doing this. Just ultimately, ultimately, it seems like this locker room might not be as tight as we think it is, and maybe there are some other people that feel the same way as Jadavion Clowney. And I think that's the scariest part about this. Yeah. Do you think there are other people? Yeah, it could be. I would be surprised if there are. Like I said, it's the Cleveland Browns. Is just for the past few years, past few decades. Matter of fact, it's just been a turmoil franchise. 
Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't blame anybody else for believing in what Jadavion Clowney believes. Yeah. And like Miles Garrett said in that presser, everybody's frustrated. So was Clowney, but everybody was. They're not playing for anything today against the Steelers. They're not in the playoff race when everybody wanted them to be. Everybody somewhat expected them to be. I didn't because of those games with Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson certainly hasn't been panning out to what has been expected of him since returning from suspension. This year is just another year that you can kind of throw away for the Cleveland Browns. And our famous saying, there's always next year. Always next year. Yeah, there's always next year. We're going to talk about that Browns-Steelers matchup next when we return to break. We'll also talk about yesterday's games in the NFL and leave you with some Week 18 NFL pickums. All that and more is coming up next on WZIP. And everyone to the last segment of today's Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. My name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I'm joined by the NFL widow himself, Marcus Anderson. Let's get it. <laughs> let's get it, Marcus, and let's talk about that Browns Steelers matchup today. Good old AFC North clash to yes, end sir. the season. Browns, what do you want out of the Browns today in the final game, Marcus? Just play for pride. I'll finish it off a good note. I mean, <clears throat> I'm eight and nine sounds a lot better than eight and nine sounds a lot better than seven and ten. I'll say. Yeah, I mean, you have a point there. Mm-hmm. It is just a better overall record. It does sound a little bit better. I'm really looking at the synergy here between Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, though, because I feel like that really matters for the Browns and their long term success. A lot of people are calling for Kevin Stefanski's job. I'm not one of those people. But if he can't get it figured out with Deshaun Watson, then there's a bigger issue here. Because Deshaun Watson is the answer moving forward. Absolutely. Apparent by the trade that was made and the contract that was given, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But Kevin Stefanski, he's expendable. Yeah, they they better make this work. I mean, because of this, you're not going to have a first-round draft pick for the next two years. Exactly. So I'm really looking at the synergy between head coach and starting quarterback. Hopefully they can get something, a good product on the field today and carry that on to next season. But we'll talk about that here shortly. Also, I want to see a strong defensive showing against who might be the Steelers quarterback for the future and Kenny Pickett. I don't think he's all that great of a quarterback. I don't think he's all that great of a player. But if he is the future at QB for the Steelers, I want the Browns to have a strong showing against him. What do you think about that? If these last two games didn't show you that Kenny Pickett could be that guy, could be the man in Pittsburgh, that I don't, <laughs> I don't know what else to convince you that you have he full is faith the, in him. Yes, I don't wow. know. I don't know what else could convince you that he is the man in Pittsburgh for years to come. These if these past two games didn't show you that, just for him to conduct two game winning drives, two games in a row, and one of them being against a top top 10 defense the Baltimore Ravens just trying to make it was so amazing the way he the way that throw was that way that game win touchdown was to Najee Harris it's Najee or Najee right Najee 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 I, I know he gets pissed off about the way to pronounce his name but anyways just it was like a Aaron Rodgers like a type of throw that you only see Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes make it so I could see he could be that guy in Pittsburgh Got so many other young players in Pittsburgh that could keep this franchise on his feet. 
I don't believe in him. Really? <laughs> He's had good plays at the end of games for two straight weeks. Uh, he that doesn't be- change his touchdown to interception ratio. I know he's been protecting the ball lately, but I really don't believe in Kenny Pickett. I mean, this is only his rookie season. I mean, I remember John Elway having a bad rookie season. I remember Peyton Manning having a bad rookie season. Even Troy Eggman had a bad rookie season. Aaron Rodgers didn't even start for his first five years in the league. And once he got the start, and just look at him now. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens with Kenny Pickett down the line, but I do not believe in him. I'm not sure if I ever will believe in Kenny Pickett as a starting quarterback for any team, yet alone the Pittsburgh Steelers where he resides right now. If they give where that turd of uh, that turd they call offensive coordinator Matt Canada That's fair. If they give rid of him That's fair. You can see a totally different offense with Kenny Pickett on the center. Sure. I'll, I'll give you that one Marcus. Another thing I won out of the Browns in their final game today, I don't want to see TJ Watt in this Steelers defense expose the Browns offense that can at times, I'll admit, have questionable play calling, allow many sacks, and are still working on having a new QB in the backfield. Like I said, I want to see some synergy here between Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, and really that offensive unit as a whole. I don't want the Steelers defense to get in the way of exactly that happening. You talked about the pride that the Browns should be playing with today and finishing the season with. Do you think they will actually play with that pride and play motivated knowing that there really isn't anything on the line today? Oh, they should be able to. Um, like Herman Everson in the post conference, uh, you play to win the game. I mean, this is football. After after all, this is football. I mean, you play for pride. I mean, this is your pride on the line, and you play for integrity. And no football game is meaningless. Yeah, I agree with you, Marcus. And sure, the stakes of making the playoffs are in reach for the Browns, but there are other stakes here. They can spoil the Steelers' playoff chances. Yeah. That's a stake. Yeah, I mean, this is your greatest arch rival. Why not try to win this game? (laughs) Not only that, but it would be the first season sweep of the Steelers since 1988. Wow. That's something to play for. Also, Mike Tomlin's winning season streak dating back to 2007, is on the line today. I definitely. That's a stake as well. I think those three things are stakes for the Browns. They should go out there. They should play with pride. They should play motivated to upset the Steelers in their playoff chances. Like The last time the Steelers had a losing season, flip phones was brand new. (laughs) That's how long ago it was. Let's make it happen today. Let's make them (laughs) 8-9. Let's do it. I am excited for this Browns and Steelers game because of those three things. I want the Steelers to be in ruin. I want their season to be all for naught because of the Cleveland Browns. And that, to me, puts a big old smile on my face. That's what I want the Browns to play for today. What other way to end the season? (laughs) Yeah, it would be a great way to end a very lackluster season and go into an offseason where... You know, the Browns aren't going to have many draft picks, but hopefully they can get something together and get ready for next season, have much more success next season. Do you believe in ending a season strong, though, Marcus, to build momentum for next season? Like, if the Browns pick up a win today, say they win by 10 against the Steelers, do you think that does anything for them going into next year? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it works for any team. Uh, It gives team hope, team great feeling into next season. That some's gonna come up, some's good gonna come up. I actually disagree. I think that so many things can happen in an off season between roster changes, trades, cuts, 
coaching changes, which the Browns are expecting this offseason, and even injuries, offseason injuries, too, to some players have much more of an effect in the following season than the final game of the previous season has on a team. Like, offseason and preseason momentum, I think those two things can carry over, but a Browns win today or loss today, that makes me feel no different on next season. I mean, it's just, I look at, like, past playoff teams. Like, I remember that one season they decided to start Jim Garoppolo. Fortnite started Jim Garoppolo the last five games of last five games of one season and then they was like no we got something good here we got something good because we should stick with it and the same thing with the Jaguars that season prior to their AFC championship game 2017 they when they first hired Doug Barone as their interim head coach at first and then they want they went like two and one the final three games of the season like no we got something good here. we should stick with this it should give you that good feeling night in the last couple of games of garbage time, garbage season, you try you try something new, you know. You try some, you try different things. Yeah, you know? I mean the Raiders, you, you the Raiders, you know, they could have some good with Jared Stidham at the bench of Derek Hart. They could have some good here, and the same thing with the Steelers, and they could have some good with Kenny Pickett or the Browns. They could have some good with this new offensive scheme with uh, Deshaun Watson. You know, it gives you that good feeling, it gives you that feeling that. That you have some good here, you should stick with it. Yeah, I mean, those are good arguments. For me, I feel like I mainly boil it down to the Browns themselves, especially lately. I mean, they're not a successful NFL franchise by any means. But the Browns winning that playoff game with Baker Mayfield, I mean, that momentum should have carried over. I mean, of course, there are other circumstances, the injury that Baker Mayfield sustained. But... I mean, there was no momentum that carried over to the beginning of that season, and then you saw how that season went for the Browns, and now you see the position they're in right now. Hopefully, they can do things in the offseason, in the preseason, like I said, that will affect the momentum that the Cleveland Browns have going into the 2023-24 NFL season. Before we go to yesterday's games, you mentioned Jarrett Stidham. One more thing on the Browns-Steelers. It's a game that we usually like to play up here at WZIP Sports, of course. It's the over-under game, and usually I come up with these over and unders by myself, kind of take their season averages and make these lines, but now that sports betting is legal in the state of Ohio, Mm -hmm. all these lines are actually DraftKings odds and DraftKings lines. As of about two hours ago, these lines are correct. Of course, odds are subject to change, so we'll see if they actually hold up where they are right now, but let's start with Deshaun Watson. Over-under... 211 and a half passing yards. This is a minus 115 line right now. Under. Go with the under. I'll play on the under. Interesting. I like the over here. I like the over 211 passing yards for Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to find his receivers today. I think he's going to get a lot of passes to David Njoku. Amari Cooper has been a great target for him as of lately. Donovan Peoples-Jones is out there as well. I expect him to get the over today. That's a tough Steelers defense. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's an AFC North matchup. Usually those are low-scoring contests, but we'll see what happens today. Kenny Pickett, over under 196.5 passing yards, another minus 115 line. I'll, I'll bet on the under. This one I agree. I don't believe in Kenny Pickett. We had oh that conversation. <laughs> I'm going with the under. Najee Harris over under 71 and a half rushing yards. The over is minus 125. The under is minus 105. This is the guy 
that single-handedly won me my first parlay ever placed last Sunday. I appreciated that late score, that late touchdown. But today, over under 71.5 rushing yards. I'll pay on the over. I like the over as well. I think they're going to get a lot of work done against the Browns defense on the ground today. Obviously, Clowney not on the field. Kareem Hunt, not Nick Chubb, but Kareem Hunt, over under 15.5 rushing yards. This is a line. Over is minus 125. Under is minus 105. Over 15 yards are definitely the over. I'm going to go with the under. I don't think Kareem Hunt finds the field much today. Really? It's going to be Nick Chubb dominating out there on the field. And we mentioned the rushing title, 206 yards Dang, away. True. I don't think Kareem Hunt's going to find much playing time. And lately when he's been on the field, defenses are expecting him to run. And he's usually getting stuff in the backfield. So 15 and a half, I don't think Hunt gets that. Instead, I think Nick Chubb has himself a day. Next up, Amari Cooper, over under 66 and a half receiving yards. The over is minus 135. The under is plus 105. I'll say, I'll say slightly over. Slightly okay. over. I like the under here, which I think is great value at plus 105. I think Deshaun Watson really spreads the ball out today. I know he's been going to Amari Cooper a lot these past couple of games, but David Njoku's out there. Tom Peoples-Jones is out there. I really expect those two guys to have great days today as well. Next up, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver for the Steelers, over under 53 and a half receiving yards. Oh, under. <laughs> under. Wow, immediately. Yes, under. <laughs> I agree. I'm going the under. Yeah, under. Kenny Pickett's not going to get in the wall because I don't think Kenny Pickett's a good quarterback. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's only fucking season. <laughs> Two more. <laughs> I mean, you were talking crap about Baker Mayfield for the longest time, and that was his rookie season, too, Marcus. So come on now. Okay, he surprised me that rookie season. Okay. <laughs> two more lines, and these are lines that I actually have action in, Marcus. So the two lines that are most important to me, and I want to know your thoughts. And I picked the right line here, Marcus. David Njoku over under 39 and a half receiving yards. I'll at least pick the over on that. Okay, that's what I have action on. Over 39 and a half receiving yards for David Njoku. This other line I have action in is Nick Chubb over under 59 and a half rushing yards. That is so tough. Uh, you think that's tough? That is real tough. Giving me anxiety, Marcus. Okay, I'll pick the over just because yes. it's Nick Chubb. Just because it's Nick Chubb. I mean, he's going for 206 for the rushing title, but I think he's gotten 90 rushing yards or over in the past three games. Oh, yeah. I thought the 59 and a half rushing yards was a pretty good line for Nick yeah, Chubb. There. This is a tough Steelers defense, like I said before. Especially with TJ Watt. Yeah. It's just... I agree. It's going to be a tough contest there in Pittsburgh. Got to wait our pick'em though. That'll be closer to the end of the show. Let's talk about yesterday's games though. Chiefs at Raiders. The Chiefs won thirty-one to thirteen, and Jaguars hosting the Titans. The Jags won at twenty to sixteen. Any quick thoughts on those two games, Marcus? Now the Chiefs, if they want to go to the Super Bowl and win it, this is how they should play in the playoffs: a balanced running game, not too many uh, crazy plays. I mean, besides that, ring around the Rosie and the yeah, did they, you see that? What I in the world? See, like they, just imagine how many times they had to rehearse that in practice just to get that synchronized. <laughs> All that in the play got called back. Yeah, that that was impressive though. That was impressive. The way they got in the line, just straight out of that, it was impressive. But other than that, great team win from the Chiefs. And then the Jaguars, great to see them get in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. 
is this is a great young team right here. Now, I could see a bright future with this team being a part of the NFL's elite for a long time. Yeah, I agree with you. The yeah. Chiefs played very well on the road in Las Vegas, and they had three touchdowns on the ground. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's uncharacteristic yeah, out of the Chiefs. Really going to be a hard team to beat in the AFC playoffs, and they won the first seed with that win, so they're going to be hosting the entire playoffs unless they play the Bills, and the Bills win today. Of course, we talked about that scenario. And then Titans-Jags, I mean, that was a playoff atmosphere. Yeah. That was a great game. All the respect in the world for Joshua Dobbs, but it was the Jaguars that came out on top with that Josh Allen 37-yard scoop and score with 2.15 left in the fourth quarter. So congrats to them as well for clinching the AFC South and getting that spot in the playoffs, like you said, first time since 2017, I believe. Yep. Without further ado, though, my favorite part of the show, likely your favorite part of the show as well, it's time for the NFL Pick'ems, our Week 18 NFL Pick'ems. We start with the 1 o'clock slate of games and a very important game in the AFC North. Ravens on the road without Lamar Jackson, without J.K. Dobbins, without Mark Andrews, taking on Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals all the way to the Super Bowl, and they're going to win it. Well, no, I don't, I don't want to say it. I'm just saying they're going to Super Bowl. Okay. That's it. Wow, very high on the Bengals. Definitely. I agree with the Bengals' pick. I don't agree that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think the Bengals get the job done today against the Ravens, and then you can throw that whole coin toss situation out the window. Next up, the Vikings, who are 12-4, and four, are on the road today taking on the Bears, who are 3-13. and 13. I say the Bears come in with the upset with Justin Fields. Vikings are overrated. Really think the Bears are going to win today? Yeah. So you're on the Vikings are frauds, like, yeah, opinion. They're definitely frauds. That's crazy to me. Why do you think <laughs> the Vikings are frauds? Yeah, I've never seen a team this lucky. Just like that Bills game, the way they won that game, that Colts game. I you shouldn't be able to win games like that. <laughs> I mean, Justin <laughs> Fields isn't playing today. Especially that many times. Oh, he's not. No, he's not. not. I picked the Vikings, but they still overrated. Okay. There you go. I don't think so. I think they could actually make a run in the NFC yeah, alongside with the 49ers in the playoffs. So many games like that in that kind of fashion. Like, hey, we'll see what happens with that. Next up, though, the Patriots on the road taking on the Buffalo Bills. The New England Patriots can get AFC's final seed if they win. The Jets beat Miami and Cleveland beats Pittsburgh. But they got to get the job done against the Bills. What do you think is going to happen? If the Bills are keeping their starters in, I'm picking the Bills. Because I'm sure they're going to want to stay in that second seed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Bills are easily going to win this game. I think that there's some value in picking the Patriots. But the Bills should get this one done at home. Next up, the Dolphins hosting the Jets. A big matchup here in terms of other teams, especially as well. You know, the Steelers and the Patriots both have stakes in this one. I got I got the Jets. Yeah, the Jets. Yep. And now bring the Steelers to I I'm gonna hold it. <laughs> well, now we kinda know, but yeah. <laughs> interesting. I, I like the Dolphins at home picking up the win against the Jets. I would be actually pretty surprised. If the Jets pull off the upset and beat the Dolphins today. Next up, Buccaneers on the road taking on the Falcons. Ah, the Buccaneers. I also have the Buccaneers. I'm really, really, really rooting for the Buccaneers today. I'll tell you why in a little bit, Marcus. Next up, Panthers on the road taking on the Saints. I got Panthers. 
This one to me is a coin toss. Yeah. I mean, it, what, <laughs> neither team really has much to play for. I think there might be a scenario where the Saints could get in the playoffs, but I'm not entirely sure on that. No, nah, they're officially alone. They are out. I'll go with the Saints. They have a good rush attack, but I don't really have any other reason to give it to either team. Next up, the Colts, who are 4-11-1, just Saturday in the Colts, hosting the even more miserable 2-13-1 Houston Texans. Uh, the Texans, game of the week. With the E-A instead of the double E. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. I have the Colts winning this one. Move on to the 425 slate of games, and there's a ton of them. Cardinals on the road taking on the 49ers. I got the 49ers. I also have the 49ers. Cowboys taking on the Commanders. Big matchup here in terms of the NFC rankings here. Oh, I got the yeah, I got the Cowboys. I also have the Cowboys. Next one, Rams, Baker Mayfield. You gotta love him, Marcus. Five and eleven, the Rams on the road, Seahawks. You gotta love that Geno Smith. I got the Seahawks. He's kind of regressed, though. No, <laughs> he kind he kind of regressed, but I still love Geno Smith. I remember I hated Geno Smith, then I love Geno Smith. But well, that's I your story with every single Geno sport. Smith. I mean, that's what you do. That's why you're the widow. You love, you hate, you love, you hate. <laughs> But no, I love Geno Smith. I got Seahawks. Well, I was having conversations with people off air three weeks into the season of if Geno Smith deserves to be in the MVP conversation. And now I feel like he's not even close. Maybe most improved, but I would kind of give that to Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, I see this as like a career turnaround, like with Steve Young and Warren Moon, how they was late boomers. I see the same thing with Geno Smith. Okay, fair enough. I like the Rams because I can't pick against Baker Mayfield. That's like a rule inside my head. But Seattle can get the seventh seed in the NFC with a win and a Green Bay loss to Detroit. A game we'll talk about here very shortly. Next up, though, the Eagles, who have Jalen Hurts returning to the football field today, are hosting the New York football Giants. I got Eagles. They I got, like the Eagles as well. Yep, they're not going to have Daniel Jones. They're starting Davis Webb. If Davis really smart, if I was him, I would sit down Saquon Barkley, too. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. The Eagles will get the first seed in the NFC with a win or tie, or if Dallas loses or ties to Washington and the 49ers lose or tie to Arizona. So a lot at stake here, but basically Eagles win. They get the first seed in the NFC. Last one here for the 425 slate of games, the Chargers on the road taking on the Broncos. Chargers. I like these picks out of you because they matter to me. I'll tell you why in a little bit, but they do matter to me. Now for our two most important picks of the week. Yes, NFL Pickums are officially back, and they will be tracked this week on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. Sunday Night Football, Lions, Packers. No. No, about that Seahawks thing. I got the Rams. I got the Lions. I just want to see the Lions in the playoffs. The way they were playing, wow. I just want to see the Lions in the playoffs. I would love to see them in the playoffs. I know I know. I love Aaron Rodgers. I love the Packers, but I want to see the Lions in the playoffs. Yeah, Seattle needs to lose or tie to the Rams, and Detroit needs to win in order to get that yeah. last seed in the NFC. I'd love to see it as well. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the Lions beat the Packers at Lambeau. I instead have the Packers winning this one, unfortunately. It pains yeah, me to predict that. Now, kicking off in about three minutes' time, Browns, Steelers, what do you think? Steelers. I'm going back to my old saying. 
If you don't like the Steelers, you don't like football. Mm. I repeat, if you don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you don't like football. That is wrong. Because <laughs> I love football. And I despise the Steelers. That, that's it's my dad. in our SBTO intro. That's my dad always tell. He tells everybody. He grew up a fan in the 70s watching the Steelers. That's why he always tell you, if you don't like the Steelers, you don't like football. They are the standard of excellence for the NFL. They've been that standard of excellence for years and years. Like I said, the last time they had to lose a season, flip phones was still brand new, which was 2003. It's been that long. Flip phones was still brand new. YouTube has, it was two years before YouTube got started. It's been that brand new. They've been that standard of excellence for the NFL for a long time. I got the series. They'll go to the playoffs again and stand their playoff streak to three in a row. And then win the streak, win the season streak to 18 in a row, right? Well, let's get rid of that nonsense because the Browns are pulling off the upset today in Pittsburgh, (laughs) defeating the streak of Mike Tomlin's winning record of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not the standard of excellence, and the Browns, they're going to get the win. I believe in them today, Marcus, and you clearly don't, which hurts (laughs) me because I have a huge four-leg parlay. First leg already cashed last night with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The other three teams... I have the Chargers, the Buccaneers, and the Browns. I need those three teams to win today. I'm failing. I need those three teams to win. That's all I want. Those three teams to win, especially the Browns. That's probably my most nervous game and leg of my parlay, but we'll see what happens. You should have made that bet, man. (laughs) You're really that passionate about it. Yeah, definitely. Just like how how people like the Yankees at baseball, how the Lakers are at basketball, how the Red Wings are at hockey. The Steelers are that same kind of franchise with professional football. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the first edition of Sports Power Talk in the year 2023. We talked Zip Sports, Cavs Basketball, hosted Hot Mike, and had a whole lot of conversations about the sport of football. Any last thoughts today, Marcus? Once again, we don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers. You don't like football. Kenny Pickett is that dude. I shouldn't have given you the opportunity <laughs> to have a final thought, Marcus. That was terrible. Uh, for me, thankfully, we do this show on Sunday. So a bit of a, another shout-out to Damar Hamlin. Uh, we had the benefit of talking on air about him and the injury with positive updates afterwards in the world. He knows is thinking about him over the past couple of days. Keep fighting. Also, follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at WZIP Sports. Joining me on today's show was Marcus Anderson. My name is Jake Murin. It was great being back in the show and on or in the studio on a Sunday. Be kind to one another and Sports Power Talk will be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.